Welcome to Crucial Foundations, a program that seeks the foundational truths found in Scripture for every generation. Hi there, I'm Gable. And I'm Larry. We are teachers in the Charlottesville, Virginia area. Let us open our Bibles today to seek those timely truths found in God's Word. Welcome to Crucial Foundations, a program designed to go back to the Scriptures and see the very foundations of our faith, the foundation of our mind and thinking and how we interact with, with God and with the world. Today, we're going to begin a new section. We're going to talk about justice, oppression, and the character of God. And in essence, what we're going to be talking about is how do you respond to injustice? Can we follow the example of Jesus as he suffered? I think many of you recognize today that justice has become a key word in the language of people. But unfortunately, if a person makes a definition of a term without really referring to God and the Bible, they're going to end up with something very different than justice. And we see that. But also we're seeing a competing form of thinking to the view of a Christian, how a, view, a Christian views the world, how they view their life and how they interact with others. And we're going to see there are people today that are taking a, a view of themselves, identifying with themselves as, as they would believe to be very strongly affirming justice. Well, let's talk about justice today. First off, the only identity that I would choose to have because I'm a Christian is to be one that serves God and reflects his character and reflects his thinking. Fortunately, I do not have to be identified with the world and political movements of the world, but I choose to be identified with God in Christ. Colossians 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this, if you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. As I come to see my God, understand sin, as I come to see the life of Christ, how he interacted with people and worked with people, I want to let my thinking be God's thinking. There today, people have a great need to belong. And in order to belong, there are certain movements that basically say, you've got to believe this philosophy or that philosophy. You've got to love these people and hate these other people. I would say to you, if you become a Christian, that is not going to be your focus. You're not going to allow the culture to pull you into a thinking process where you write off people without ever hearing them. It's interesting in the political realm, there's always a danger of influence, both in the religious and political realm. Many times, Gable, as a preacher, I've warned about religious influences that have come through preachers and through religious groups. But did you know there's influences that are religious influences that can come through politics as well? First off, in Luke 12, in verse 1, we read about Jesus when he saw many people and he loved these people. He was warning the people about dangers. It says, in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, so that they trampled one another, he began to say, now listen to this, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So he starts off talking about leaven. Leaven is where you have leadership, something put before you, and you want to imitate it. And he says, don't imitate the Pharisees because they're hypocrites. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not based on principle or truth. They're, they're, they're wearing masks. But in Mark 8, 15, Another verse where Jesus talked about leaven to be aware of, he says, he charged them saying, take heed 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and listen to this, and the leaven of Herod. Well, Herod was a political ruler. Did you know there were people who followed the teaching and the philosophy of Herod? And I call that a political philosophy. And I just would have to say, as here in this year of the 2024, or 2023, excuse me, 24 is coming. But in here in 2023, I think one of the greatest dangers facing the church is not necessarily a philosophy coming from religious groups, but coming from political groups. Mm -hmm. The leaven of Herod is a political way of thinking. And today we're facing a philosophy that judges people without any basis of, of, of right and wrong and creating anger and accusation. And that's always been true in political thought. But let's talk about that today. Let us find how should we be just in handling other people and how should we make accusations? There's a place for accusation. But how should we handle unjust accusation made to us? Of course, with, uh, with God, there is light, there is truth, but there's always the opposite of that. There's darkness. Satan is, of course, the opposite of God. And he is the one that is going to uh, report and put out those accusations and try to get us to accuse others, even our own brethren. If you go over to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, the book of Revelation gives many titles uh, to Satan. He's that serpent of old, uh, uh, drawing back to that image of the garden. But in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them daily, who accuses them day and night before our God. So it's this idea of Satan is going to try to keep us in the pit. He wants to keep us in our filth, in our sin, in, in uh, bitter thoughts. And then to throw that onto other brethren, uh, maybe even in, in a way to make us feel better about ourselves. And so we need to we need to be so aware of this. This passage talks about salvation and power has been given to us through the kingdom of God. Hold on to that. Don't let Satan feed you lies uh, about where you were. We have come out of that. Also in Zechariah chapter three, this is a great passage um, that really expounds on this idea as well. Uh, Zechariah 3 and verse 1, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. So again, it's this idea of Satan is trying to get us to uh, have this image of that we are in sin, we are in filth. And of course we are, but we have forgiveness through God. And one thing that's, um, uh, th that's really interesting to consider here, for one, if you look through the Gospels, it's apparent that Satan did not fully understand the purpose of Christ, did not fully understand the purpose of God and Jesus coming to this earth. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tried to kill Jesus, Jesus because that, of course, is what ultimately defeated him. 
But here in Zechariah, we really uh, draw out this point that Satan did not anticipate forgiveness through Christ on the cross. Um, and so that, of course, is what brings us out of that pit. So that's important for us to remember. Uh, and another thing here, note, note in uh, Ezra chapter 4, uh, again, agents of Satan and his ways. Uh, this is when the people of Judah had come back, the remnant had returned, they were seeking to rebuild not just the city of Jerusalem, but to rebuild their identity as the people of God. Uh, Ezra chapter 4 and verse 6, and in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So here, also in Nehemiah, we see there are many who tried to make accusations against the people, false accusations, most of the time, really all of the time, as they were twisting the truth. And when you go through this passage, you go through Nehemiah and others, what you'll find with all of those individuals in these groups, they are not so much concerned with justice or with acquiring justice. It's about getting what they want. They may even commit injustice to get to what they want and what they call justice, whether that's maintaining power, gaining power, uh, getting what's theirs, whatever it might be. Um, and so we need to be able to see right through those lies. And, and of course, uh, many of those did uh, during this rebuilding. So how does Satan use such accusations? We'll talk about this more, I think, in this episode, maybe a, another one. But Jesus's trial is a great example of this. And I won't go into detail on that quite just yet. Uh, but in John chapter 10, in verse 10, uh, just quickly, uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So how does Satan use accusations? He uses them to destroy, not just the one that's being accused, but also the one accusing. Uh, as bitterness fills their heart, as it breaks down the other one that's being accused, Satan does not, he is no respecter of persons in that way. He wants everyone to be pulled into the same, uh, the same dwelling that God has prepared for him and his angels. So we need to be so careful of, of Satan and his tactics. Yeah, it's important to understand that, that in political realm, you know, you want to destroy your opponent. You don't care if the accusations are true. They just want to know if it works. And that's how Satan always works. He doesn't want good for us. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want truth. He fears truth. Yes. He fears processes that lead to truth. He would rather you, because he's built your pride up, that you make the accusation and you write off people as if they're garbage. And brethren, we are in danger of this. We're in danger of it when our brethren may falsely accuse us, and then we come back in the same spirit. We can be in danger of it when we get so involved in politics that we want to defend the political individual or party because it's our group, and we somehow stand behind accusations from which there is no proof, or there's not been no righteous process to resolve it. And Jesus talked to his own disciples when they were in anger wanting to destroy somebody without a process, Luke 9, 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? <laughs> but he turned to rebuke them. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Mm -hmm. 
my brethren, let us not take on the spirit of Herod, the spirit of the political world, the spirit of accusations claiming you're going to be just and fair and you're interested in justice for all and then you write off people without giving them a hearing. You see, that's how Satan works. He wants you to rush to judgment. So one more time, justice is based upon evidence. It's based on a due process. We'll develop that process in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But please don't <clears throat> rush to judgment. The uh, we we find in in scripture uh, where we're warned not not to just jump in and believe and say anything that we hear. The Bible tells us in James one that we're to be you know quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, Proverbs eighteen seventeen is a, a very interesting verse. Where have you ever had somebody come to you and they they talk to you about something they heard and about what somebody has done? What do you do when that happens? First off, you might not have even should have heard this. If they're bringing something to you that they're not going to use you in the process of maybe as a witness or something else, you may not should be hearing that. This could be gossip. Mm -hmm. But in Proverbs 18, 17, the Bible says the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. A fair process. Don't just rush to judgment. And I've had good people that I've known, and I've loved them, and they tell me an account, and it really sounds bad. And then later I find out, well, that person was very emotional. That person misunderstood something. That person made mistakes. And I've done the same thing. I have in my life sometimes because somebody hurt me. I started thinking I could read their mind. And I remember one friend I was talking to, I said, I bet you they're doing this, this, this. And he looked at me and says, Larry, you don't know that. And I stopped for a moment. I go, you're right. And thank you. Thank you. You helped me. Let us not rush to judgment. You see, Satan loves the destruction of fair processes that would allow us to see clearly what is right, whether it be the nature of God and his teaching or whether it be how we handle other people. Satan is not about light. He's about darkness. And so we get caught up and get our emotions stirred. We can believe about anything. And Isaiah chapter 5, again, a classic verse talking about uh, how Satan works with things. He'll call things that are uh, they're very unjust, he'll call it justice. He'll take things that are just and says that's oppressive. He'll take the truth in reality and actually turn it on its head. And Isaiah 5 and verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You know, it's interesting to me. I was listening to somebody the other day and talking about a person that they knew, and they said, you know, you can tell they had been converted, that they actually knew the Lord. And one of the things he was saying is that there's a humility that comes with knowing God knowing you're forgiven, understanding the nature of sin. And I will tell you, the people who make quick accusations, they're ready to write off somebody. They'll throw people away like a piece of trash because they've gotten anger and they've listened to somebody else. Those people, I'm afraid, have departed from the spirit of the Lord. Mm -hmm. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible talks about Jesus. Jesus understands about what it's like for the justice to be taken away. The Bible says his justice was taken away. 
I don't be well, I do not want to be like the ones who crucified Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. One other point that I'll just tack on there very quickly before we uh, get into this next section, talking about rushing into judgment. If somebody wants you to rush into judgment on a certain individual, put yourself in that situation if that was your spouse. If someone was coming with accusations against your own spouse, what if it was your children? How would you feel then? Would you want to would you want someone to rush into judgment or would you want them to uh, go to them to ask a lot of questions to give a fair trial. So th these things are important. We have to be in the right frame of mind. Don't, uh, of course, there's going to be emo emotions involved in a lot of ways in this, but we have to be so careful to not let those rule our hearts. So the next section that we want to talk about is God's character. How does God's character teach us uh, about justice? First of all, what does it mean for God to be just in the first place? If you would, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you're just listening, we're going to be in Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah 3 and verse 5. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. The unjust knows no shame. So really what's highlighted here, if you notice the language of uh, every morning, each dawn, this is a continual thing for the Lord, and he is perfectly just. He is perfectly righteous in these things, and this is what he wants. He wants justice, and so if we identify with God, we ourselves ought to want justice as well. Isaiah chapter 42 in verse 1 Behold my servant, whom I uphold my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged. Till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So again, here we see there is this universal aspect of the whole world wants justice. And it, it should want justice from God because, again, he can offer it perfectly. Uh, just to, again, expound on this idea of all God's ways being right. The first passage that comes to my mind is Psalm 19, uh, where... His, his laws are just. They are they are true and righteous altogether. His commandments are this way. Uh, and it talks about there, the psalmist says, sweeter also than the honeycomb. This is more precious than gold. That We should value these things. We, we do value these things if we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, but another passage that we might go to is Deuteronomy chapter 32 in verse 3. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Verse 4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. All his ways, it says there, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So many in our current culture, in our postmodern society, claim that they have the way that they know the way and only their way is right. Uh, and so if someone brings 
maybe a better truth in than than they have, or maybe brings the truth in. Uh, they say, no, that can't be right because it's not it's not my experience. It's not what I believe, uh, and so they don't they don't want to consider the truth. Well, God, God has that authority, uh, and we've established that in previous episodes. I'm not going to retread that ground. Uh, and of course, with that, talking about our our current culture, our world boldly, and this is nothing new, really, boldly says that God's moral standards are oppressive which is completely backwards, of course. But in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Notice there, it's for our good that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. This is how we are able to maintain a spirit of gentleness and of peace. It's not, as we've already covered, it's not jumping into the fray immediately, uh, getting into this group thought of uh, wanting justice through injustice, all of those sorts of things. But we need to we need to look at justice in God's way and on his basis. Um, again, I'm not going to get into this too much at this point, but again, if this is how the world uh, looks at justice on that basis, then Jesus was, of course, uh, the most oppressive person in history. And Jesus said as much, the world has hated me. And if you if you act as I have acted, then the world will also hate you. But of course, these are for righteous, righteous things and not for unrighteous. Let's talk about justice now. God has told us he's given us specific processes of how we handle an accusation either made to us or that we would make to another. Real fairness is plainly shown in Scripture. And brethren, I don't care what avenue we're taking, whether it be political or whether it be in something in a, in a job situation or, uh, or some other situation, we got groups involved. God has told me what is fair. And let's talk about it. Ezekiel 18, a foundational chapter. How do I know if I am guilty of something? How would I want to be responded to if, if uh, in order to, to prove my guilt or I was to prove guilt of another? Number one, I am responsible for me. I'm not responsible for my dad or for my granddad. I'm not responsible for some group you want to put me in. I am responsible as an individual, and that's not an evil word. God's going to judge us as individuals. God tells us as individually to have integrity. I can change my thinking, and that's what I'm responsible for. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul who sins shall die, the son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteous of the righteous shall be upon himself. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all of his sins, which he has committed, keeps my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Let that sink in. You know, I've seen situations in the past where people would judge people by skin color. And they would say, you're in this group, and therefore they put attributes on you, and they write you off. 
We're seeing the same thing happen today with people who think they're really smart. Again, you go to scripture, you look at judgment day. Bible says it very plainly. When we stand before God to ultimately find justice, it'll be done individually, not as groups. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, by the way, we've already talked about this. We don't follow groups to evil. If, there, if there's a group ex exerting pressure on me, that which is wrong, I'm going to tell them it's wrong. But still, I do that as an individual. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. My brother, let's not climb on God's throne and try to be the judge of the whole world. I'll tell you, Gable, when somebody tries to make me a judge of a group, they're taking on something they can't do. You can't read the minds of everybody. How in the world do you con convict a group of sin? Well, you know, you're just like your dad. Wait a minute. The Bible says my dad's not going to be responsible for me or me be responsible for my dad. If that's a group of two that I'm not, not, not to be accountable for, how about a group of 100 or 1,000 or the color of my skin? You had basically and fundamentally rejected the justice of God. Justice requires evidence. It requires a just process. And it requires judging each individual. Romans 2, 5, the judgment of God is like this, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you, as an individual, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one, not each group, but each one according to his deeds. Final thing we want to talk about in this episode is why do we why do we seek after justice in the first place? Why do we love justice? Um, if you've watched any film or any TV show, you know, any of the crime dramas where they have courts and whatnot, even taking this to the, the fictional world, you uh, watch the Batman films. Uh, we love when justice is served and when somebody goes outside of the law to uh, to to create justice what we feel is justice this vigilante uh who uh who, who goes outside of the law uh to attain justice and we love that um of course that's not really the best way to go about it for us as christians but we we enjoy seeing that where the bad guys uh get their just desserts but why do we love this first of all the thing that we need to consider as christians really just as human beings, we are created in the image of God, and we have an innate nature for a recognition of fairness and a hatred of those that cheat, that steal, that lie. Uh, you think about this as a young child. Uh, that's not fair if somebody's not sharing something, if uh, maybe someone gets punished and uh, and somebody else doesn't, maybe you get punished and your sibling doesn't get punished and you think that's not fair, We they should be punished as well. If we don't fear God, that desire of justice can be perverted. 
one of the phrases that comes up over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. It starts with the fear of the Lord. Um, and I think maybe even tied to that, Paul talks about it in this way in Romans chapter 1, uh, where he's talking about uh, those that should have known God, uh, that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. They are without excuse. Verse 21 of chapter 1, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. It started with their heart. They were not, they, they knew God, but they were not thankful uh, to God. Over in Acts chapter 26, in verse 9, uh, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is uh, the Apostle Paul talking here back when he was called Saul at the time. Verse 10, this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Paul was convicted of some things here. And his conscience told him that he needed to do these things for the Lord, but he was so blinded uh, by so many of those things. Uh, over in chapter 23, just a couple pages back in your Bibles, Acts 23 and verse 1, then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, men and brethren, again, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Paul thought what he was doing was right, that it was justified, that it was for God, but he didn't fear God. He didn't fear God. He didn't fear his ways. A person who seeks to be just must act on principle, like Paul, but we have to couple that with some other things. Um, some things that, that we have to consider are universal law. There have to be rules in place. There have to be rules. Justice at its core uh, is what is right, and it involves rules to be followed. Uh, we can't push off God. Mr. Larry, you already referred to this. Of we can't act as God. We can't climb up to his throne and make make the judgments ourselves. We, we, we leave that to God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It is. It should be a comfort to us that we don't have to worry about every injustice and that God will take care of that. Um, that is that is a great comfort. And we can be confident that when God judges, as uh, many of the Old Testament passages talk about in the book of Leviticus, he is going to use, uh, quote unquote, the same weights. He's going to use fair weights. Uh, and everyone gets the same weight. He's not going to say, well, you get one weight and this person over here is going to get another one because this one's rich, this one's poor, this one's one skin color, this one's the other. No, we are all judged the same. And we are judged as individuals, uh, as, as we've already pointed out in this episode. So a person who seeks to be just, again, has to act on principle. If we don't, Satan is going to come in and he's going to take that desire for justice and turn that into an instrument of injustice. Yes. Uh, and someone, and this is, I'll, I'll end with this point, someone who believes that they're right when they're actually wrong is so much more dangerous than somebody uh, 
who maybe is just tries to do justice and maybe it maybe it doesn't come out in the right way no somebody somebody that has a lot of ambition that is unjust uh, can be so dangerous so we have to be so careful brethren uh, I hope that a lot of these things have been helpful to you um, you can see I think there's a lot of passion uh, in this topic from the both of us uh, but these things are important this is something that the world is trying to push on us today and we have to be so careful what does God say what does his character say um, if you do have any questions, if you have any comments, then please feel free to reach out to us um, in the email provided or any other contacts, uh, and we would be happy to answer those. But please join us next time as we lay another stone in the foundation that God has laid for us in his truth. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast to be helpful or encouraging, please consider following and subscribing or leave a rating or a review. If you have questions about anything from the episode or any other Bible questions, you can reach out to us at ncvchurch at gmail.com. We hope that you'll join us next time as we lay another stone in the foundation of truth that God has given us. God bless you.